Hello, and welcome back to Insights Into. As you know, I'm Richard Hurd, and I'm now an advisor to the Insight program. And in this episode, I've I've gotten the opportunity to speak with Dick and Howell, who's the new program director. And we can talk about his new role and particularly his background and how that's relevant for, for his new role as program director. Welcome. Hi, Richard. Um, thanks for having me back again. It's, it's a pleasure and um, really looking forward to our conversation today and giving our uh, listeners uh, some sort of insight into the, uh, where we can, can expect the, uh, the program to go to. First up, I think we've, we've talked a bit about your, your background in the previous episode of Insights Into, but perhaps you could talk us a bit about some of the other initiatives that you've been involved in, um, which are built around collaboration and integration of science, how that can then be used in a policy framework. Maybe that's a good way of giving people sort of a background into how you were such the perfect choice for the new program director. <laughs> Cheers, Richard. Um, well, I, well, I guess my uh, looking back at my career history, I did my PhD at Newcastle and, and then went not, not quite directly into government, but, but into government via um, environmental consultancy for a couple of years. And my time at the Marine Management Organization, where I helped set up marine licensing and then was uh, chief scientist for two years, a lot of my time there was spent trying to figure out how you make good decisions in a kind of governmental context, in a, in a policy context, in a regulatory context, and the role that science plays in making those good decisions. And what was interesting for me is I went from the position of being decision maker as head of marine licensing to being science advisor, which are very different things. As a science advisor, your role is to let the decision makers know what the science says and then step away from the decision, which is a challenging thing to do, particularly when you have been in that role of decision maker. And I think during that time at the MMO, I sat uh, across uh, people making regulatory decisions, people making policy decisions, and the science community who, who wanted to get their science used in that decision making, which is a fascinating place to be because they're three quite different communities of people who talk in different ways and who operate differently. And then you throw into the mix the fourth community of people, which is industry, those people who are actually doing stuff, who bring a whole load of other perspectives on the world and pressures around commercial delivery. And yeah, it's an interesting kind of mix to be involved in. And since leaving the MMO, I've maintained my connections both with the government community and the science community. So I'm a visiting professor at Newcastle University, and I do sit on lots of different committees for the Natural Environment Research Council for NERC, particularly advising them on impact and, and how science can have impact into not just government, but the industry as well. So when we talk about impact, we're talking about how science can inform decision making, but also how science can help industry operates in a more effective, uh, sustainable, environmentally aware, but I guess commercially effective way as well. So yeah, I've been involved in a number of initiatives. So um, I helped NERC with a bunch of really good people put together the Sustainable Management UK Marine Resources Programme, and I sit on the advisory group for that. I've been on the programme advisory group for Insight for a long time now and helping shape Insight Phase 2. Um, from a science perspective, particularly looking at policy and, and help NERC draft the new EcoWind programme, which is looking at the cumulative effects of ecosystems, cumulative effects of, of offshore structures and ecosystems, particularly offshore wind. So yeah, I, I, I kind of float between those three 
three or four communities of people. So it's been fascinating getting a bit more involved in this side of things with Insight and really looking forward to how in the last two years of the programme, we can try and drive as much impact as possible. Yeah, that, that that's really interesting. And hopefully the listeners can can appreciate how valuable your experience is going to be in this phase of the, of the program. As I mentioned in the last episode, I feel pretty confident that uh, we've got a good thing going with the industry side of things, certainly on where my world started was with industry and moving into insight. If I look at what you've just said, and hopefully it's clear to everybody that, you know, you're much closer to that policy side. Now, what would be really interesting, I think, is if you could give us some sort of insight into you know that interface how do we translate great science that everybody around it knows is really important science how do you translate that into and get it in front of the policymakers to take note what's what can you say to us about that now give us some some sort as i said some sort of insight into what it's like trying to translate scientific outcomes into something that policymakers can work with so it's a really interesting point over the last I guess six or seven years, I've worked with some great people who are really good at policy, some people who are really good at science. And the most important bit, which people often forget, is some people who are really good at, at communicating. Because actually what we're talking about here is, is, is how do you communicate from one community, one tribe of people to another community? And when when you dig into that a bit deeper, it's really important to understand what's important for those different communities. So when you go to the academic community, what's important to them, rightly, is that their science is as robust as possible, it's peer-reviewed, it's transparent, that their community accepts it as being as excellent as it can be. Um, When you go to the policy or decision government community, what's important to them is they get science that is relevant to their needs as quickly as possible, because they're moving in this really fast-paced environment. want to understand the information that is going to affect their decision not in five years time but in five minutes time and the other really important difference between them is this uh, idea of uncertainty within an academic community they often want to drive out as much uncertainty as possible from their findings which is absolutely right they're seeking truth effectively whereas when you work in government you deal with huge amounts of uncertainty all the time and that can be political uncertainty economic uncertainty sometimes scientific uncertainty and the question you're always asking yourself is how much uncertainty is too much so what's the minimum amount of uncertainty i can deal with and make a a rational decision and that's often because you're under a lot of pressure to make a decision you you don't have a choice just to say i'm not going to make a decision here so what we do when we work with the academic community one of the key things we always say to them is that don't need to demonstrate their science excellence it's a given so when when you're taking science from the academic community it's been published in peer-reviewed journals it's gone through the process that it needs to go through within that community to be accepted and published you don't need to go back through all your methodologies about how you did stuff um It's about lifting those key messages, understanding how those key messages are important for people in government or people in industry and delivering them in a concise way. And again, that's quite difficult for a lot of people in the academic community because they are kind of culturally geared towards setting out why their science is excellent 
not how their science is important for something else. So bridging that gap is interesting and it takes people who can live in both worlds. So you kind of have to be able to sit with an ecosystem modeler. I can't do ecosystem modeling, but I understand enough about what they're doing to be able to sit there and have a, a meaningful conversation with them. And then to sit with a policymaker and say, you know what, there's a bunch of stuff that they've done here that you don't need to know the detail of, but the key thing is these four or five messages. So that science communication is yeah, constantly evolving. And what I've seen over the last decade, certainly, is that the academic community is getting much, much better at it. The new generation that are coming through are getting much better at it. They're getting trained a lot earlier. And as a consequence, what used to be a really stark divide is now getting much more blurred at the edges. And programs like Insight really help that process. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the challenge, isn't it, is that communication issue. If I could sort of bring you on to these next two years of the programme, there's a couple of areas that I'd like just to get a few words from you on. One is the synthesis project, which has kicked off, um, which it ties in with what you've just been talking about in terms of communication and how you translate a vast amount of scientific outcome into a policy message, something, you know, the key takeaways for policymakers. And the second part of that is how do you see insight sort of aligning and maybe contributing or working with some of the big offshore wind uh, initiatives, scientific initiatives that are coming around. And EcoWind is, is one that I know you've been involved in. So if, if you could talk a bit about the synthesis first and then maybe a bit about how the role of insight in the renewables industry and, and how that's developing. Yeah, so the synthesis project is really interesting and I guess is to some degree the, the brainchild of the chair of our, our science advisory group, Sir Ian Boyd, who is my, I, I guess, to some intents and purposes, my old boss when I was back in, in government and he was the chief scientist at DEFRA and I was the chief scientist at the MMO. Ian is never short of ambition and has looked at where science is being communicated, really complicated science being communicated in a really punchy way for policymakers. And the, the best example of that actually is climate science. And climate science has had to be communicated in that way because of a lot of the, I guess, manufactured controversy over it uh, like 10 years ago and the way to get around that is just to be as clear in your messaging as possible and the reports that came out of the intergovernmental panel on climate change at a global level but also in the uk so there's a thing called the marine climate change impact partnership which if listeners haven't seen this you're going to check out have taken that science huge amounts of science across lots of different disciplines and distilled it into key messages that inform climate policy and decision making Ian, ever ambitious, has wanted to do the same for man-made structures in the environment, which is where the synthesis project came from. And the intention is to get the academic community that are working in and around here. So we're not talking about one or two researchers, but the, the whole community. So the intention is to get 30 or 40 people contribute to a paper um, that we can put into a really high profile journal that effectively gives us the state of the art of where we are now, of what, what is our understanding on how man-made structures are affecting the marine environment. What we're not trying to do is to say what the best regulatory options are with that information. What we're trying to do is just put that information in front of people, but put it in front of people in a way that um, reflects the feeling in the community. And as Ian often says, any one of the contributors to that synthesis work could probably sit down and write that paper on, the, on, on their own, but the strength comes from everybody together 
saying the same message. And, and that's the process that's being worked through at the moment, led very ably by, by Paul Summerfield at, at PML. So when we get to the end of that, end of the synthesis project, as I say, um, which is hopefully going to be the end of this year, we will have a line drawn in the sand. That line is obviously going to move. And you never know, we may do it again at the end of, end of the insight process. Looking forward, you're right, the, the world is changing really rapidly. Offshore wind, we've got three huge leasing rounds in front of us at the moment. Crown Estate round four leasing is the, the plan is going through the process being signed off at the moment. Up in Scottmare, the Scottmare leasing round for offshore wind has just been approved. And the Crown Estate is planning a, a floating offshore wind leasing round in the Celtic Sea of Cornwall and in the southeast. So things are going to get very busy very quickly. And, and the reason that's happening is because we need to meet our targets on net zero. But we also have to be really mindful of the impact we have on biodiversity. I often hear people talking about the, these twin crises. We have a climate crisis, but we also have a biodiversity crisis. And we need to make sure that we, whatever we do for one doesn't have unintended consequences on the other. So both SMMR and EcoWind are going to be looking to get the very best science that we can to contribute in these short timescales for academic programs, so three to four years, and make a direct impact in decision-making on that road to 2030, that road to net zero. And both those programs will be standing on the shoulders of Insight effectively. I think the data and the research that comes out of Insight means that those programs aren't starting from a standing start. They should be jumping onto a moving train, as it were. It's going to be a, an exciting three or four years, I think. I really welcome your comments there about um, you know the role of insight in, in providing a, a, a model in inverted commas for, for these sorts of programs. You know, there's the NDRI program in Australia, which is also built around the sort of insight model. So really proud of the fact one of one of my enduring sort of legacies, I'd like to say, from from insight was that we've shown that you can put these things together in a really effective way. And um, so that's really, really good to hear. So just before we close. Could you give us a bit of visibility on what you're up to in the, in the near future on the programme? Other things that we're looking at um, with Insight, we've talked about the synthesis project. We're also looking at some exciting new projects, hopefully coming forward this year, looking at some innovative ways that we, we can use data and various kind of uh, various other, other options that we're looking at. What we're really looking forward to is how we can take the impact strategies from each of the projects, combine them together so that we can really drive as much impact out of insight science over the next two years as possible. That sounds sounds brilliant, Dickon, the sort of greater than the sum of the parts type message, which is really, really cool. And that's, again, backs up why I think getting you guys involved in this phase of insight is is really powerful way of aligning it with current work, current challenges to the world and our local environment and the broad in a broader context. So some really interesting food for thought there and some exciting things on the program to look forward to uh, in the coming years. So thank you for your time, Dickon. No problem. Richard, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, it's a really interesting time to join the programme and build on the great work that you've done. Well, that's good stuff. Thank you very much. As ever, our listeners can find out more information about the work we do on our website, which is www.insightnorthsea.org. That's just been updated. In case you're familiar with the old site, please come and take a look. Coming up later in this podcast series, we'll be talking to some of our research leads and highlighting some of the fantastic research and science that's going on around the world. Thank you and goodbye for now.